0: Hello and welcome to the British Sitcom History Podcast. A bit of a bit of a special um, away day for the Sitcom oh. History Podcast today. Uh, my name is Alan. With me, as always, is Gareth. Hello. Hello, Gareth. Now, I've had a little field trip. I went to see uh, Only Fools and Horses, the musical. The musical. Because you live in that London, and I'm
1: still up in Yorkshire, there's not something we could really do together. But yeah, you could take advantage of the marvellous cultural options... On the menu <laughs> of the West End, yeah, and uh, music, any musical I want to see, any see musical theatre that you might <laughs> desire. Now, uh, listen, let's let's put my cards on the table here. I absolutely hate musicals, um, <laughs> both theatrical and film, and you know that that is a prejudice I will fess up to. I am coming to this expecting to be a little bit uh, negative about it, but mm-hmm. convince
0: me. Was is it worth going to see? How how did you find it? well let me let me throw some caveats in first <laughs> um first of all i have seen it before um it's been on mm. the west end for about 5 years obviously there was a big covid gap in the middle of that yeah but I did go and see it pre-COVID uh, when it first came out, because obviously I'm interested in sitcoms. I went to see it. And I wasn't impressed. I wasn't that fussed about it at the time. And I'll sort of mm-hmm. go into a bit of that why. So now they've just announced it's finishing. Um, as we're recording this, it's going to finish in the next couple of weeks. So I thought, okay. oh, I better go and see it one more time while I've got the chance. I suspect it will go on tour because uh, it's done yeah. very well at West End. So I wouldn't be surprised if you can come and see it up in Leeds or something. But uh, I thought, yeah, let's go and see it one more time. So caveat number one here. I was at the back of the theatre.
1: Okay. Literally I couldn't have been seats.
0: further back. I was sat next to the tech box. A bloke a couple of rows in front of me stood up and blocked the spotlight at one point. So <laughs> that's that's how close we were. Uh, so I accept, uh, but you know what, well, I'm, I'm not made of money. Come on. Uh, I do. <laughs> it, is, it is expensive to go see shows at the West End. That means I've probably lost some of the nuance of performance um, mm. and, and that sort of thing. Yes, I'm not a big fan of musicals myself. Especially ones that have been crammed into a previously, you know, existing pro- property rather than built from the ground mm, up. Yeah. Uh, I think, in generally, generally speaking, they don't work very well. Hang on a sec, Alan, because you know the the big sort of commercial
1: successes of recent years have been these jukebox musicals, haven't they? Where you take yes a, a, a pre existing body of musical work and crowbar a story into it. And that's you're fine. describing coming from the other side where you've got, a, in this case, a sitcom or, you know, it might be a film or whatever, some mm-hmm. non-musical piece of work and they then, to use the same words, crowbar music into it. What you're saying is that that's... Both of those are somehow impure. It has to be the music and the words have to be simultaneously created for you to be happy. Is well, that what you're saying? Not, it's,
0: not, it's not a purity issue. It's not a moral stand. I just think <laughs> they tend to be better if they're all built with that with that idea in mind. Yeah. Because otherwise, you have a, an existing plot, and then you're like, "Oh, right, where do we cram songs into this?" I saw the Back to the Future musical, um, and I think that suffers from a similar problem. But I thought I was actually all right. I saw Big, the musical, like, off the Tom Hanks film. That was awful. (laughs) Yeah, you've got your jukebox musicals. Marks and Gran wrote a jukebox musical. Uh, Ben Elton's written one as well. So, you know, the sitcom people, they love it. But here's the other thing. Okay, so I wanted to, as as a control, I I decided to take someone with me who didn't know anything about Only Fools and Horses. Well,
1: let me stop you there, Alan. You're telling me that you found someone in the United Kingdom who doesn't know anything about Only Fools and Horses.
0: I refuse yeah, to do. accept this. <laughs> well, they are an American. An American? Uh, yeah, an American friend of mine who's lived over here for about 18 months, mm. but obviously is not steeped in the culture uh, as such as we are. I'm I'm really fascinated
1: to to know what she made of it actually because when we talked about Only Fools and Horses, you know, we said even if people didn't watch it, they know it. You know that mm. that the three wheeler, the chandelier, the falling through the bar these are cultural touchstones. So it's quite, yeah. I'm quite interested to to learn what your what's her name, Carly, Carly, um, Carly. Sorry, I can't. <laughs> I could resist that. <laughs> and she wouldn't get that either, would she?
0: No. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, she, I was really interested as well because, like, I asked her what she knew about it. She says it's a sitcom, uh, and I think mm. she only knew that because I'd already just told her that. Yeah, and she didn't know anything. She didn't know the characters she didn't know it, literally nothing other than. And you didn't sitcom. tell her anything. No, I deliberately sort of. Made her go in blind to see how right. it would feel.
1: Uh, can can I ask before we before we move on to your and her opinions, what was her pre-existing position on musicals?
0: She's generally pro. She's an mm. actor as well. That's how I know her, and uh, she does like to sense. sing as well. So they they take all that very seriously. Uh, um, <laughs> I don't feel like this is a neutral uh, view. But she's also she also said she's not a she's not a big fan of your classical musicals, your big kind of MGM right golden era hollywood kind of musicals that's a yeah. bit too overblown for her taste so yeah so something like this a bit more modern mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of <laughs> well go on then so tell,
1: tell us tell me and the listeners about uh the show
0: okay yeah so first of all the plots mm. um it's it's all just assembled bits from the show um there's nothing really very original in it uh, it's certainly not an original plot
1: well, hang on. I'm sorry I'm interrupting you already. You know, when we've watched some of the sitcom movies, we've kind of experienced where it's, it's almost just been three episodes of the sitcom sort of stapled Rising loosely, loosely together. Ob- yeah. Rising Damp, yeah, yeah. Is it similar to that? Is it using new material but episodic feeling and disjointed or are you saying it's actually using material from the show
0: it's not episodic because it doesn't feel like a few half-hour shows stuck together mm. but it does feel pretty disjointed it's it's like 10 minutes from here 10 minutes from there like a great yes I, that is a so, so great like, phrase yes like
1: taking abba's greatest hits and making a musical around it they're sort of taking dell and rodney's greatest hits and making a musical around it
0: it does feel a little bit like that, yes, okay. Um, and I will say that is not to its benefit. I don't think that's a good thing. Interesting. It does, and this was my takeaway the first time I watched it, that it just felt quite fan servicey. you know, it was like, oh, remember yeah. that bit you remember from the show? There it is. Yeah, well, we could get behind that, surely. Well, yeah, it's like, fair enough, and do you know what? I felt quite similar when I went to see Spamalot. Uh-huh. Um, my takeaway from that was like, this was fun and everything, but I just felt like watching people do an impression of something I've seen before. And I, yeah. I don't know what the point of that is. Mm. Um, that's not enough. Even if it is just like, oh yeah, it's fun. But I've got it on DVD. I don't I, if I want to watch it, I can. It's not <laughs> Yeah. This isn't like when Heidi High does a summer season between series, you know. It's yeah, it's, yeah. it's different. It's a different world now. I and that's definitely what I felt the first time round when I watched it. Do I feel the same way now about that? Uh yes. Probably. There's definitely a couple of very egregious moments where it's like Del Boy falls through the bar, for example, right. or a chandelier falls down, uh, apropos of nothing. Mm. Um and I think that works in the so much as they play off as a gag, like we all know you need to see this, otherwise you'd be going, <laughs> Where is it? So sure. we're gonna just here it is. Look. Can
1: you can this. I can I can I drill into this example then? So the chandelier falling. I want to know two things. Number one, how was that crowbar? And number two, what did Carly make of it?
0: <laughs> well, I guess um, it's not really a spoiler. It's not really relevant to anything. But it happens at the curtain call. Ah, they do the big bow, and then the nice. chandelier like slams down on top of the van. That's that's a great idea. I like it. I, I like it. That's good fan service. What did Carly think? She, I don't, she didn't mention it. I don't think she even registered. Did she, did she think it something had gone wrong?
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> no. But the, they they mention in the show the Phantom of the Opera and how a chandelier yeah. falls down in it. So I think maybe it felt like it was supposed to be a reference to that.
1: Okay. And what was the, what was the crowd's reaction when the chandelier went down? Hooray! <laughs>
0: hey! <laughs> I'm quite thrilled, I will say. Yeah. And it worked. It worked as just like, look, it's a little yeah, gag. I like it? it. We're not building anything like around it. And then like Del Boy falling through the bar, they did quite a nice bit because earlier on, They do it where it looks like he's he about to lean on the bar, and then right at the last second, Mike the barman like puts the thing down, and he doesn't fall through. So like they toyed with us on that one. It's just like okay, that's that's good, that's good. So but those are the really like obvious examples. And there's just stuff like they have the van, the 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 yellow three wheel van thing, and yes. they just sort of wheel it on to stage, and grandad's in the back of it, and then they wheel it off again. It's just like, yeah, it just feels like it's in the way, and it's like the, you would never have put that in the show if it wasn't such an iconic thing, which sure. is like, okay, what, what can you do, you know? So you know, there's there's moments like that. It just feels very stapled in, yeah. But you know, I'm I'm okay with that to a point, but. I think a, there's bigger issues with the overall structure. Um, the, the the main plot we kind of follow is Del Boy and Raquel yeah. meeting and becoming an item, okay. and so it takes it takes those story beats from the show. So the very specific episode where they meet through a dating agency. And then, yeah. uh, I don't know if you remember this specific episode, but they hire a stripper for a party and she turns up and she's a stripper. I do and it's remember like, that, Oh, yeah. she's She's lied to him, but he's been pretending to be this kind of theatrical agent. So, mm-hmm. And then they go, look, let's start again. We'll, we'll just be ourselves kind of thing. We also have Rodney getting married to Cassandra. Okay. That's like what he's doing. And the whole bit where Delboy has to borrow money from the Driscoll brothers and, and then ends up getting beaten up because he it's not paying yes. debts right but taking one for rodney so to speak yeah i remember that yeah. uh, showing showing him you know how what a great guy he is those are the main plot points i'll say this and i think this is it's to its major detriment rodney feels completely forgotten He's like rodney is not given anything to do and really? cassandra even less it's it really feels like rodney is undermined as a character and i don't know why that is that feels like such a, a basic do delboy and rodney that's, that's yes. your first port a call and then build everything else around it. Rodney feels really underserved as a character. So
1: is that something to do with, you know, if we think about the show and how the dynamics of Only Fools and Horses changed throughout the years? You know, we reviewed the first two series with Grandad. You know, the dynamic of that trio was very different to, if you think about the specials at the end, where we have Cassandra and we have Raquel and ultimately Damien. You know, the, the, the relationships are completely different 20 years on. So the musical the musical is taking that that those later
0: years kind of um, it's actually set in 1989 they say specifically right uh, the show itself started in 81 uh, we watched up mm-hmm. to like 83 84 and yes the the characters are Delboy Rodney and Grandad Grandad is the is the principal right. okay, character okay. here so we've got that dynamic from the early years but then we've got Raquel and Cassandra in mm. and that particularly with Rodney because the guy who's playing Rodney was playing Rodney as that dopey 21-year-old. Yes. Not the 27-year-old who's getting married. Yes. And there is a journey there, and it does change.
1: I can feel it in my bones, Rodney. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this time next year, we'll be Millionaire. millionaires. Yeah, terrific deal. <laughs> right, what have we got today, then? Well, we got these genuine gold-effect leaning Eiffel Tower of <laughs> Yeah, morning, Trigger. Morning, Dale. What's your dive? <laughs> Trig, how many times have I told you my name ain't Dave, it's Rodney?
0: He's playing that naive, put-upon 21-year-old who always needs help from Delboy. Sure. But then he's also getting married to Cassandra and it, it becomes this weird, doesn't-quite-work thing mm. between the two. Not to mention, he's playing it as a sort of cartoon, dopey impression of that twenty. year old Like, it's, you know, he's doing a yeah. comic... Musical theatre, I've got to do this big impression, rather than uh, you know. There's, there's there's a certain subtlety to Only Fools and Horses that you you, yeah. you can't get on a stage, right? Whereas a Del Boy character, I think you can go pretty big with that. Yeah, and then we've got Grandad, who kind of just sort of, pff, is is just there. Yeah, but well, that's kind of, of what relief. he did in the in the show. Yeah, really. yeah, which actually it, it works okay for that. I think uh, first first complaint here from Carly. Um, she said she couldn't understand most of what they were saying. <laughs> <laughs> okay, she I've shown her some sitcom stuff before, and we have had to put the subtitles on uh, for certain things. <laughs> so she was struggling a bit, and we were quite a long way away. Like I said, so the volume wasn't like brilliant, and you know, losing a lot of the subtlety yeah. of acting. So that you know, I, I accept that we, we were not watching it under ideal circumstances. But she was, she was losing Grandad particularly. Because he has a kind of low husky voice, even though yeah. you know it was it was they were all mic'd up. You know, it wasn't yeah. like they were projecting into the you know, two hundred year old theatre.
1: Am I right in uh, thinking Paul Whitehouse is granddad? That's right. Yeah. So that's obviously the, the, the headline
0: name that I know. But is there, who else is in it? Well, last time I saw it, Paul Whitehouse was in it as well, and he has been away. I think he's come back to kind of see it out. Uh, okay. It's coming to an end. The run. I know, for example, Les Dennis was doing it for a while. The rest of the cast. They're musical theatre guys. I don't know them. I'm right. not in that world. I don't really know who they are. But I will say, the guy playing Rodney was definitely the same guy I saw playing it before. Mm. The guy playing Del Boy has been the same person all the way through. But I think the person I saw seeing Del Boy was an, under, an understudy. It wasn't the same For guy. but the first time? No, no, this time. I see. Which is interesting, because the, Del, the energy of Del Boy did not feel right at all. Mm. It, 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 he, he seemed too young. Um, and I know Del Boy, you know... Is not like an old man or anything, but it it, it felt more like watching someone play marty mcfly and that kind okay. of slightly manic yeah. you know energy and See, i, I know, think even when we watch the fit, early right? only
1: fools and horses del boy's you know i don't i can't remember how old he's supposed to be but he's he is the father figure to rodney isn't he yeah you know, exactly he's, he's very much a big brother
0: he's head of the household yeah it just didn't quite work for me like i say i don't want to i don't want to get into the actors so much but yeah. i'm pretty sure that was the understudy uh the guy who's been playing mm. del boy throughout this guy called tom bennett uh, and i that's who i saw the first time around and it was very different
1: right now i do know tom bennett because he is he has got some sitcom pedigree he's in the yeah. ricky gervais world he's in afterlife in a sort of small role in that but he's also oh, yeah, in yeah. it was also in something that's dear to my heart which is phone shop and for the benefit of oh, yeah. listeners i worked for car Warehouse for 10 years in the in the 90s and 2000s so phone shop was a pretty biting satire for me
0: so could you see him playing dell boy no. <laughs> well, I think he he's been doing it for the whole time. Uh, like I say, the guy I just saw recently uh, was The Understudy. But what was interesting about it was that Carly's take on the performances in general yeah. were, this feels tired. Ah. she it was like this feels like these actors have been doing this for years and they're they're just going through the motions now which is interesting if he's the understudy because you know you as an understudy you don't get that many goes at it so you really give Mm -hmm. it your all when you when you Mm -hmm. go when you get get for go for it but she said it felt very tired and i i know what she's picking up on there um bear in mind also we saw it on a tuesday you know this isn't exactly
1: every night is show night darling (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah maybe. Um, <laughs> but you do feed off the crowd a bit as well. So.
1: So can I ask, can I just before we move off the cast, were they exclusively doing impressions? Is, is that what they're doing? They're not trying to bring their own angle to Del Boy?
0: Yes, yes. And like how I say, do you feel, feel about that?
1: Is that? I, I don't know. I think if you were reinterpreting Rodney, I might not like it very much. I'm not sure. You
0: can't, can you? You can't. No. You, 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 for something like this that is being sold purely on nostalgia, really, yeah. this isn't like doing a Shakespeare play and reinventing it it's it's yeah it's good that's yeah, a good analogy do absolutely
1: you start flogging them looking theater tickets i got an appointment up at that new dating agency What open on the ice street oh i wonder why you were dressed like that yeah well got a
0: dress to impress brothers dress to impress right go on up it particularly those characters are just so iconic i think if you did something like heidi high you probably could play around with a bit more you know your ted hmm. bovis would still have to be a, a specific kind of type but you could probably play around with it a lot more.
1: Could it could it be a female Ted Bovis? Like Ghostbusters. Ruin my childhood.
0: <laughs> oof, oof, oof. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Ted's a very masculine energy to Ted Bovis.
1: Jenny Acler could be Ted Bovis.
0: Yeah, yeah, you could. <laughs> so uh yes, they're doing impressions and and to varying degrees of quality, but I'm forgiving of that, as long as you can embody the role. Uh so we've got Del Boy, Rodney, and Grandad as a granddad, excellent. Like, that could be Leonard Pierce, actually. Yeah. <laughs> really good. There's a
1: story attached to that cigarette case, you know. Because my grandfather was shot in the Boer War, mm. and the bullet was heading right for his heart. But luckily he had that in his breast pocket and it hit that instead. Wow. What, it saved his life? Not exactly. The bullet ricocheted up his nose and blew his brains out. <laughs> No, Paul Whitehouse is a 30-year career impressionist. Like, that's what he does. Yeah. He's, I mean, I love Paul Whitehouse. He's wonderful. So I'm not surprised about that. Just
0: while we're on that as well, Uncle Albert turns up at the end. Oh, right. Like, okay. He How'd kind of work? just pops in for one scene as a cameo kind of thing. It's just like, we've got to put him in. Yeah, fair enough. And the way they do that is it's Paul Whitehouse with a great big fake oh, nice. beard on. And he was obviously having a lot of fun with that. Like, it yeah. was like, I'm just, I've only got one scene to do with Uncle Albert. So I'm really, he's really giving it. Really chicken naked really, Yeah, he got a great reaction. Uh, from, and basically just waffles on about the war for about five minutes. And then he goes away again.
1: Oh, I like the sound of that.
0: And it, it, that worked really nicely, actually. And everyone gets a big cheer and Uncle Albert turns up. And like, yeah, he milked it for all it was worth. <laughs> on top of that, we've got Trigger and Boise. Yeah. As kind of principal characters, they get quite a bit to do, but probably not that much. And they both get their own song. Okay. Which is interesting. Boise gets, well, Boise and Marlene, they get a whole bit about them trying to have a baby and he's got a low sperm count or, or something mm-hmm. like that, which again, it's taken from the show. Uh, so that's their little subplot that at the end, they go, oh, I'm pregnant. Like that, that's that. And Trigger gets a this song that's just dropped in. And it's about, it's about his grandma used to have this crystal ball and she could see into the future. And so he gets this crystal ball out and they just sing this song and he goes, and he basically, he looks into the future and say, and, and looks at Peckham in 2023 and describes it. And then, right. you know, they come around and it's like baristas and hipsters and stuff like that. And they're yeah, like, oh, I like, I it. don't, that's I don't think that's going to be any good. It's, it's a pure comic relief song. that's just dropped in. It doesn't add anything to anything. But it kind of works and it is kind of acknowledging the time shift and all that. So it's like, all right. But again, it it adds to this idea of it feeling a little bit Unstructured and yeah, it's just kind of oh here's a bit with Boise. yeah yeah there we go. Mm. Then you've got Denzel, you've got Mickey Pierce, you've got Mike the Barman who are just crowd. They're just kind of in the background doing stuff. Yeah, it's a tough one. Do you do more with them? In which case, I'm saying oh that's you've done too much. You've given their own song. Do you do nothing with them? In which case, I'm saying <laughs> why are they there at all? You can't win, can you? But yeah. They're not incorporated into the plot. They're just there, and Fan so service. we have to we have to add a scene in for them to serve them. Uh-huh. In that age, yeah, like I say, it just didn't flow. So do you
1: think, like, you understand why that's fact that, you know, you want to get those characters in. Yeah. But, you know, if you think about an episode of Only Fools and Osses, you just pulled one discrete episode, you're not going to have Trigger and Boise and Mickey Pierce and Raquel and Cassandra, you know, if it's just one episode, the plot is going to focus on our main characters and one or two minor characters. I, I, I suppose this is that greatest hits for the problem, isn't it? You know, if mm-hmm. greatest hits, you've got to bring all the characters in, and it, it, it's detrimental to a 90-minute story.
0: Plus, yeah, but bear in mind, this, yeah, this isn't one episode you're dealing with. It's, well, it's like two and a half hours with an interval, you know. It's, God, is that long. Yeah, it's proper musical, man. <laughs> but, yeah, you've got to fit know. your songs into that. But yeah. find a plot where... Del Boy's got a problem, and he has to enlist Boyce's help. So Boyce is part of the plot, and they don't not only do that with that, they don't even have Rodney helping him with the plot. It's (laughs) uh, so Mm. it, it, yeah. I don't know why. I think having him the whole Raquel thing is is nice, and it works. And I and I was thinking, why not just do one of the earlier shows? You haven't got Raquel and Cassandra there. You got. But then I realised, like, if you did that, you wouldn't be any women in this at all. Yeah, so yeah,
1: problem,
0: um, maybe, maybe yeah, you want to branch that out a bit. So yeah, and then you got you got the moments where Trigger like it, the scene begins and Trigger's like, yeah. So it said thirteen new heads and and six new endles. Yeah, you know, it's like all right, yeah, yeah okay. Fine.
1: See the thing is, I I feel like I'm being quite sniffy about and quite negative, but honestly, if I was going to see Only Fools and Horses, I want to see the greatest hits. You know, you don't get the Rolling Stones to see their new stuff, do you?
0: Mm, I know, but I just think you can you can package it better. And well, can I ask you? Ov- obviously, the
1: biggest difference is is the fact that it's a musical. So I haven't even put my cards on the table. Like, what are the song? How are the songs?
0: Uh, right. Yeah, it's. It's a tough one, the old songs, because my, my general feel on it is that it, it doesn't feel like they've worked out what their mood is, what, what the songs are. Mm. And, and, you know, if, you, if you, most musicals, you, you, like I say, you build it from the ground up, you're working to a whole a holistic vibe of what the music is and how it adds to the plot and etc etc. Mm. This feels more like, so rather than the, the song developing the character or saying something, you do that in the plot and then you just drop a song in and it, it feels very just scattershot. I, I don't know what the mood of the music is. I, I What I feel it should be, and I think what it mostly is, is kind of cockney knees up kind of vibe.
1: Right, yeah, but yeah.
0: Not, but not with any real consistency. They opened the show pretty much with the theme song. Uh, both the opening and ending theme song kind of pieced together. No income tax, no creation, No money
1: back, no guarantee white,
0: A at a And I must admit, of all the bits uh, in the show, that was the bit seeing this big kind of orchestral yeah. groups singing version of the only of, H- of Hookie Street. It, like th- that, that that's was cool. the bit that kind of yeah, gets like, shivers that like that. down my spine. You know, it was that was the bit that really was like, yeah, this is this is it, right? And then there's there's a couple of pop songs in there. Lovely Day by Bill Withers that's in there, and uh, Holding Back the Years, uh, Simply Red. Yeah, it just kind of dropped in. So so I suppose in a, in a sitcom, you're using
1: some music as incidental music or as diegetic music. It's adding to the sitcom. But mm. if you're doing a musical, as you said, and there's a musical vibe to it, mm. then adding in that music has a very different impact.
0: Yeah, and it's not diegetic music. It's someone singing it. You know, someone bursts no, out the into a song. <laughs> <laughs> there's one particular song that jumped out to me the first time. Uh, I really enjoyed. So this time it didn't quite jump out the same way, but I, I think it's a good song. As in, it's a good musical. Th- it felt like a musical theater song. It felt like it was in keeping with the tone of the show while still adding something to it. And it's it's a it's the point where Del Boy goes to the dating agency, a computer dating agency, and he's talking with the guy who runs that about what he wants, what he's looking for. And it's called A Bit of a Saw. Uh, right. And it and, and it feels like a musical theater song. A bit of a saw. The sort of sort who's not too tall and not too short, too short, and not too old and not too fat, but not too thin,
1: too thin. The sort of sort who sends your heart into a spin, and makes it boom and lights a room when she walks in. And she's gotta have class, she's gotta have style, a bit refined. Yeah, yeah, with her own hair and her own teeth, if you don't mind. Yeah, that's the sort of sort to suit me to a T. Yeah, that's the sort of sort to suit a bloke like me.
0: The writers, by the way, are Jim Sullivan, who is John Sullivan's son, and Paul oh. Whitehouse, who is obviously it's mostly based on John Sullivan's work in terms of the plot. Yeah. But the music and lyrics are largely by Jim Sullivan and Paul Whitehouse. Chaz of Chaz and Dave has got a couple of credits on some of the songs. Lovely. Not least Margate, because they do the Margate. Song. Now that's one that basically they, they're all in the pub and, and Mike the Barman comes out. All right, lads. Uh, don't forget, early tomorrow we're off on the Jolly Boys outing. They sing down to Margate, then they move on. That's just like it's so. And they don't go on the outing. Right. No, <laughs> it's it's so painfully dropped in. It's <laughs> that's that's not that's an example of where it doesn't work well. <laughs> Uh, but then, yeah, you, so, uh, and then there's another name in the credits, uh, Stuart Morley, who um, is credited with some of the music. I, I don't know who he is. Perhaps he's a musical theatre guy. But those those are the sort of, the he's on a couple of songs. Okay. I don't associate Paul Whitehouse with musicals, do you? No, I, I love Paul Whitehouse. Yeah, but I don't think yeah. he was
1: a musical performer at all.
0: Um, so the songs feel scattershot. There's a couple of Chaz and Dave songs. There's a, there's a couple of old pop songs. You've got the theme mm. song that was written specifically for that. You've got all these. You've got these songs that are written specifically for the scenes. Um, granddad gets his own song called "Where Have All the Cockneys Gone," which oh, he's yeah. just kind of is in the pub going, "Where Have All the Cockneys Gone?" <laughs> Some went to Bill and
1: Ricky, some went to South End, some went to River and a few went to Ponder's End, some went North, some went South, and, and a lot of them went to Kent, oh! Some went to Woking, I'm oh, not joking, some went to Barking, I'm oh, not laughing. some kept walking, right past talking, a lot of them went to Kent, oh! Does that turn into, like, Tim Healy and Phoenix Nights singing about his black shoes?
0: Uh, No. But I was wondering about that because, you know, you've got this multi-ethnic London pub and he's in the pub going, where have all the cockneys gone? And it's like, this feels like it could slip into an old man being being racist. Can I, uh, actually, you've you've given me a
1: thought there. What, who were in the crowd? What was the crowd like?
0: (laughs) I saw one black person. No, Uh, I'll say that. (laughs) mostly I would say middle-aged people but actually yeah. quite a mix you know I think okay. Only Fools and Horses does have a real range I was talking with this about Carly actually because we were talking about West End theatre in general and musicals yeah. how they're just this very mainstream appeal but the West End particularly you're catering to tourists that's how you can have yeah. something the yes. same show on for five years because of course. you've got a different audience every day Yeah, Only Fools and Horses is only playing to a British market Yes, maybe Australians Japanese or
1: tourists aren't going to see that are they?
0: Exactly which I think is perhaps testament to the the legacy that only fools and horses has that it's it's been on for a good few years mm-hmm. and i think it is something that if you live in essex or something you'll pop up to london for the night and, and you'll do that you know it's uh, that's yeah. the, that's the show you're going to go and see isn't it and there's a lot of competition for that sort of stuff if you're coming up up west for a for a show you know so i think it is a testament to it that it's, it's obviously been doing very well okay well i think we should probably summarize but i'm really curious Can you sum up what Carly thought of the experience? The interesting things that I noted uh, from what she said were, she said at one point she could tell that there was a recognition in the room. There was a familiarity in the Mm. room. There was stuff she didn't get it, but she could tell everyone else did. And she said that was quite nice. It was like sitting in the settee, watching an old sitcom with your grandma. (laughs) That's how she described it. Okay. So I thought that was quite nice, uh, like a quite positive way of seeing that. Yeah. She, she, she had problems with the kind of the musical element, the music in general. And she said that it felt, it felt like a tired performance, uh, just in terms of the actors. Um, which, mm. you know, they've been doing a long time. It's six shows a week. It's, it's a tough old game. It, it, it was getting a great response from the audience. There was plenty of laughs. But it it was, yeah, a laugh of familiarity. It was a, um, it wasn't like, oh my God, that's taken me so by surprise, that punchline has hit me and I'm laughing. It was, Uh it was a laughter of recognition. And
1: yeah, and that's all right. That's okay.
0: Yeah. I didn't laugh. Um, I was not laughing at it in the sense I would watch a sitcom and you might laugh. So uh, perhaps that's not a good thing. But I didn't feel excluded either. Mm. It, it, it felt that familiarity. You, you talked about the chandelier moment. You gave us that example, and,
1: and the crowd didn't laugh at that; they cheered. That's the difference. Because if you if you remember that scene when the first time you saw it, it's hilarious. It's brilliant. It's a really big set up, bait and switch joke. It's hilarious but that's not what they're doing they're not they're not giving you a a new laugh they're they're saying here it is you remember when you laughed at this
0: do I just want more? I, I I think you could have all those elements, but give me a bit of original plot. Yeah. Even using the backbone of a previous plot, but then throw in some new stuff, throw in some new gags or something. But most of all, the one and I didn't even remember picking up on this the first time I watched it, but I can't believe how little Rodney does. And that's inexcusable. It has to be Delboy on Rodney first, and then yeah. everything else can be built around yeah. that. Like I come away from it thinking that
1: that was far as all right. The thing is darling, like everything you've said to me, makes sense. And I've got in my head, oh yes, I'd I'd like it to be this. I'd like it to be that. It probably wouldn't run for five years, would it? I think you've got to say it's been a massive success. Mm. And you and I, when it comes to this, you know, a sitcom audience, we are not typical, are we? We're, this is not. We don't consume sitcoms in the same way that the public does.
0: Perhaps, perhaps. And then you know, are you coming out of that show and you're going to tell your friends, "Oh, it's great! Yeah, you should go and see it." I don't know what you would say. Like, what was good about it? I don't. You would say, "Oh, they do the fall through the bar." Yeah. <laughs> I had to explain to Carly that a man falling through the bar was the height of British comedy. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm I'm not being positive. I accept that, but I went to see it twice. So <laughs> exactly, yeah. That's why it,
1: that's why it stayed open for five years. And do you know what? If it comes to Leeds, I'm going to say this in public now. I will definitely go and see it. Good. Even though (laughs) I don't like musicals. (laughs) Uh, To our listeners, thank you so much for listening. Hope you've enjoyed this uh, slightly unusual episode. And uh, we'll be back with some uh, sitcom reviews soon. And if you'd like to follow us on social media, we're on Twitter and Instagram at BritComPod or our Facebook page, British Sitcom History Podcast. Thanks so much, everyone, for listening, and we'll see you soon. Bye.
0: Bye.